Well, welcome, New Hope, as we continue and actually today finish off our series called Summer with Jesus, Building Relationships. I'm actually in the woods on our Cambridge property by our prayer cabin alongside the lake. And I really would encourage you to utilize the prayer cabin for time away with Jesus. You can do it alone or you can do it with another person. There's enough space, but it's just a really great location to get away, to be still and know God is God. And so I welcome you to take advantage of that. Just contact the office and they can set you on the schedule and get you a key. But we're concluding our series today by talking about Jesus in the woods. Four weeks ago, I started the series talking about Jesus in Colorado and how when Jesus dismissed his disciples in the boat, he went alone up to the mountainside and spent time with his heavenly father and how important that relationship was to him. The following week, Pastor John talked about Jesus up north and how after a super busy day of ministry, feeding the 5,000, Jesus invited the disciples to get in the boat with him and to go away to a quiet place for refreshment and how important that is for us to get up north to, to be refreshed with, with friends. And last week, Pastor Justin talked about Jesus in homes, about just really using our gift of hospitality, about inviting our neighbors into our homes, coworkers, making sure that we're hospitable people as Christ followers and that we are going out and being present among others so that they can see Jesus in us, so that we can share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so today then, I just want to conclude this series on building relationships about talking about Jesus in the woods. Back when I was a senior in seminary getting my master's degree down at Bethel, my wife and I, we were pregnant with our first daughter. And the pregnancy was very hard. We had never been pregnant before, so we didn't know what to expect. But my wife, Sherry, ended up being on six months of bed rest and also a feeding tube where I would feed her daily through this tube. But there were many times where there were days or sometimes a week long where she was in the hospital because of her illness due to the pregnancy. And I remember one distinct moment when I had been at the hospital with her, but needed to get home, get some homework done, get some rest. And it was about 1.30 in the morning, I was studying, and I got a call from the charge nurse at the hospital saying that she was very sick, she was throwing up blood, and, and she was distraught, and could I come in? And you know, I was just beside myself. I was just like, God, what are you doing? I was anxious, I was shaking, I was crying, and I didn't know what to do. And so what I did was I called Paul Hepner. Paul was a friend we met at seminary. He's from South Dakota. We got to know he and his wife. And I called Paul and I said, I don't know what to do. And Paul said, don't worry, I'm coming over right now. And Paul came over, he comforted me, he prayed for me and he said, listen, you know, I'm gonna put you in my car and we're gonna go and be at the hospital together with your wife. And he, he spent the night there with me. And it was an amazing uh, relationship and still is. And I would consider Paul one of my fridge friends. 
you know, fridge friends is sort of an urban dictionary term. But it really means that, you know, these friends that are so comfortable around you or in your home that they'll go and open your refrigerator without even having to ask and just help themselves to anything. And when it comes to relationships in our life, a question I would have for you today and for me as well is, do you have fridge friends? Now, I understand the challenge of developing relationships and developing friendships. So much so that every year when I do goals in different areas of my life, from spiritual, physical, to educational, to financial, I have a relational goals of being relational. And every year I add to that list the goal of doing one thing a month with men. Since I live with all women and life can get busy, sometimes I just forget to build relationships. So actually I have it written down as one of my goals. Intentionally build men friends. And so building friendships are difficult. It was interesting, statistically, I read an article put out in 2019 by Fox News on friendships stating that the average person has roughly 16 friends. Eight of those friends are people that they like, but they really want to spend one-on-one -on -one time with. Five of those friends are people they like, but would spend one-on-one -on -one time with. But there's only three of those friends that they would consider to be lifelong close friends. Now, what's interesting about that statistic of 16 friends is that it sort of parallels Jesus' life. Jesus had the 12 disciples that would be considered his friends that hung out with him for three years straight. But then he also had four other friends. He had Mary, he had Martha, he had Lazarus, who is Mary and Martha's brother and who Jesus raised from the dead. And then also he had, I believe, Joseph of Arimathea. Because we see at Jesus' crucifixion after he dies, Joseph asks to take Jesus' body and asks to place it in his cut-out tomb. And this is significant because once he placed Jesus' body in that tomb, it could only be used for Jesus' family from there on in. No Jew in that culture would allow any other bodies of any other individuals other than family to be placed in that tomb. I mean, it's real similar to today. I mean, rarely do you go and find a group of friends buried together at a cemetery, right? It's pretty much a plot for families. But it shows the intimacy of Joseph in Jesus' relationship there. And so we recognize that Jesus had these friends, but what's interesting is that out of those friends, out of those 16 friends, Jesus had three closest friends, Peter, James, and John. We see often in scripture how Peter, James, and John are pulled in by Jesus when he expresses his great power or his glory in certain situations. We see it in the story of the raising from the dead of Jairus' daughter, where Jesus shows up at this religious leader's home 
and his daughter had died. But it was only Peter, James, and John who were invited into the girl's room to see Jesus raise her from the dead. We see Peter, James, and John being invited up to the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus is transformed physically, his body illuminated with white and light, and basically exposing his God-like figure, being God in the flesh. And only they were invited in to see him in his ultimate glory. And we see it as well in Jesus' tougher days when he invites him at the Garden of Gethsemane. All the disciples came, but yet Jesus invites Peter, James, and John deeper into the garden to be with him during his difficult times. This is what it says, and this is the picture we get of sort of these three fridge friends from Matthew 26. It says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, but not my will, but yours be done. You know, the Garden of Gethsemane was a place that Jesus often would go with his disciples to pray. Matter of fact, the word Gethsemane actually means oil press. It was actually a, a grove or a forest of olive trees. Matter of fact, if you go there today, the same trees exist as they did years ago. And so we see Jesus inviting his disciples to come in with him into the garden. But what he's really inviting them to do is to come in to his deepest troubles in his life as he's facing within 24 hours being beaten and being crucified on the cross. And so we see in Jesus' life that he has himself fridge friends that he leans on and that he needs. And so my challenge to each one of us is to develop at least three fridge friends in our lives who we can invite into our lives when we have the greatest trouble in our lives, knowing that they will walk with us and be with us. Like Jesus, we reveal our lives to them, just as Jesus was revealing his life to Peter, James, and John. And I just want to give you a couple scriptures here this morning that identify what a good fridge friend really is. And the first one is from Philippians 4, 8, and 9. This is what it says. 
finally, brothers, Paul is writing here, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, and if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Paul is saying basically, hey, listen, you follow me as I follow God, you will have the peace of God in your life. Why? Because I'm pursuing what is true, what is noble, what is right, what is praiseworthy, right? What is admirable. That is a fridge friend you want around you, a person that has that character and a person that you can follow. And as you are with them, they help you to become more like Jesus. The other scripture would be Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, which basically says, admonish one another in love. What does that word admonish mean? It means that you have a friend around you who when they see you heading down a road that is gonna be destructive for you, they have enough courage and love to challenge you and to say, listen, you're heading down a way where it's gonna destroy your marriage or your relationship with your kid or you're gonna lose your job or your integrity or whatever. And they have the guts to call you on it. And they're gonna slap you upside the head and they're gonna say, hey, listen, wake up or I'm not gonna let you go there because it's gonna destroy you. That's a fridge friend. That's who you want around you. And that's who Jesus placed around him. So again, I challenge us when it comes to our relationships to build relationships where you have at least three fridge friends in your life. You know, it's interesting that there was a study done in Britain about friendships. And they had asked the public to provide quotes on friendship. And the number one quote that won was this, a friend is one who comes in when the rest of the world goes out. What a great statement about a fridge friend. You know, it's interesting that the first problem ever mentioned in scripture wasn't a sin problem, but it was an isolation problem. Pastor Justin mentioned it last week when he talked about how God said it isn't good for man to be alone. And that's why Jesus gives us this example of having friends around him, but also having those three fridge friends, Peter, James, and John. So I wanna leave you with this challenging question. Who can open your fridge at home, but at the same time, open your heart? That is a fridge friend. And I encourage each one of us to pursue developing those friendships. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you have built us for relationship. First of all, with you, vertically, but then secondly, horizontally, with others around us. And that, Jesus, you have given us the example of having friends and having those close fridge friends. 
And so I pray for each one at New Hope that we would cultivate those fridge friends who at the end of the day, help us to become more like Jesus and walk alongside of us in our day-to-day stuff. And so bless each one in your holy name. Amen. Let's close off by worshiping him.